0: First of all, just how thankful I am that uh, you come and we worship together. What a blessing that is to uh, be part of the family of God in these challenging days that we live in. And uh, I'm I'm reminded that there are many congregations that haven't been meeting like this, uh, as we've been able to all summer long. I'd ask you to pray for me this next week. Uh, so next Sunday uh, through the following Wednesday, I will be up in River Falls, Minnesota. And uh, we have a free Lutheran congregation up there that I will be sharing special meetings in. And uh, last Sunday was their first Sunday back in the sanctuary. And so um, maybe a little more cautious than many of us. Um, pray for me as I share God's word there from Ecclesiastes, the series that I shared here a couple years ago. I'm um, living life backwards, living with the end of life in view. And uh, trust that God will, will bless and will use His word there. I want to ask you uh, how many of you remember uh, a song? It was written by Kurt Kaiser uh, back in 1976. Evie Turnquist made it popular in an album. Um, it's a song called Pass It On. Remember that song? <laughs> okay kind of a feel-good song, you might say, it's sung around campfires and at, at Bible camps and retreats for the next decade or more. And uh, words of the first verse go like this, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up in its glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you you spread his love to everyone you want to pass it on. Well, this may be a strange time to bring this example up with the huge wildfires that are raging down on the West Coast. Um, though that, too, is an illustration of this reality that all it takes is to get you know, a, a fire going with just one spark. Um, but whereas out there in California, a, a spark has led to some awful damage in the song, it has potential for a lot of good. And clearly the goal in the song is that we would spread the love of God to those around us. And and though the song never quite says so, I always understood it to be pointing people then to a personal faith in Jesus Christ. And and so the repeated line in the song is, you want to pass it on. Well, today I'd like to talk to you about wanting to pass on a living faith to the future generations. And, And this is something that most any of us who have a living faith want to do. It's something that in some respects uh, is like a spark lighting a campfire, and yet in other respects it's a whole lot more complicated than that. Well, Moses, toward the end of his life, talks with the people of Israel about the importance of passing on the faith and how practically to carry that out. And I touched on that last week as we looked in Deuteronomy in chapter 4, and there Moses was reminding the people, listen to the law of God and protect its contents. Don't add to it or don't subtract from it. And remember some examples from history of how God dealt with us and appreciate this privileged position we have as the people of God who know a personal God and he answers our prayers. And then give heed to yourselves lest you forget all of that and you neglect passing it on to your children and to your grandchildren. Well, we're going to look at Deuteronomy again today the next chapter is chapter 5, and that chapter recounts then the list of the Ten Commandments, and we're going to be covering that in the following weeks here, and so Pastor Ryan will be sharing on the first commandment next week. Today I want to direct you to the chapter right after that, chapter 6, there Moses puts before the people of God then this goal of passing on the Ten Commandments and passing on a living relationship with Almighty God to the next generation's. And not only does he emphasize the importance of doing so, but he also gives right here in this text some very practical guidance into how to accomplish that. Would you look with me, please, at Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. That you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God and keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." And then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. And you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourselves, that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you, and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. Lord God, we thank you for this, your word. And we thank you, Lord, for how Moses shared this with the people before he left this life, the importance of passing this on to generations to come. And Lord, we pray that that would be the case in each one of our homes represented here today. Speak to our hearts and to our minds, Lord, and help us to think through how we go about passing on the faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So clearly the goal that Moses is talking about to the people of Israel here in chapter 6 is that uh, multiple generations would have a living faith. And, and there are three parts to this goal in those first verses there. There are three generations mentioned there. And first he starts out then with this one. That you might fear the Lord and keep his word all the days of your life. Now, when you think about passing something on to others, what thing that's on the Probably most of our minds these days because it dominates the news every day is this coronavirus. You can't pass on a virus if you don't have it yourself. The difficulty with this virus is you don't always know if you have it or not and others don't know if you have it. Well, as we think about passing on the faith, you can't pass on a faith if you don't have it yourself. However, everyone can everyone can know if they have it or not. And others might even think that you have it, but only you know for sure if you do. And I believe that the most important thing in the world is to be sure in your heart, here and now while you're still breathing, of if you have a personal relationship with God or not, and if you're ready for whenever your time comes to then meet your maker. And so start today then by looking, first of all, at your own heart. Do you know for sure? of a personal relationship with God. He wants you to know for sure, and and if you have uncertainty about that, I would love to talk to you personally about it and, and encourage you by pointing you to scriptures that you can hang on to for assurance of that relationship. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world in order that we, who are sinners and know it, would also know that there is forgiveness for us, for all of our sins in Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 5 has these verses that that, that spell out so clearly about this, knowing for sure. And there he says, And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, in order for multiple generations to have a living faith, it needs to start with us, knowing a personal relationship with God. A second part here, then, is that your son might fear the Lord God and keep his word. And you who are parents here today, who is your son going to learn a living faith from? It might be partly from godly examples here at Marinette, and I sure hope that's the case, but I also hopefully it also will be coming from you. And I trust that God is using our congregation here at Marinassa to teach children God's word and about God. And I've been greatly blessed as I've observed over the years many who are dedicated teachers, men and women that have served for years committed to teaching Sunday school and helping with our kids club and friendship club and other ministries here where we get God's word passed on to the next generation. And we have sometimes had... Uh, Are Those teachers and so on come up front here, and we've officially installed them, and I think I slipped on planning for that this year. But I would like to just ask here now, would you who serve in those capacities, who are helping to teach and and minister those weekly ministries here on Sundays and Wednesdays, would you stand just for a moment here? We just want to recognize you here today and and, uh, remind the rest of it. Somebody's got to stand up first. I see them looking around. Come on, please. There's many more of you. Thank you. Yeah. I want to encourage you to pray for them as they carry on that, that vital ministry. Now back to Moses in this goal of multiple generations with the living faith. I shared last week a, a quote from Dr. Jim Burns. And he said this, When spiritual conversations about Jesus are happening at home, a child is then 300% more likely to stick with their faith after they leave home. You see, home is where we really have the opportunities to see living faith lived out in daily life. And our text today is going to remind us of some natural uh, built-in opportunities that come in family life. I want to draw your attention just for a bit to this brochure that you got in your bulletin today, Milestones. Milestones. And uh, Pastor Ryan have drawn this up and, and presented to you on behalf of our deacon board and our, and our uh, board of education as well. Um, we together see raising children of faith from the time that they're little babies and, and, until uh, they go to high school and, and on to college as a partnership between the home, between the home and the church. And, and so we in the church want to come alongside of parents who have that primary role in daily life and encourage them and give them resources for nurturing that faith. And as you flip through this here, you're going to have a a little description about what milestones is and then inside the list of the different ones in order. Uh, Many of these Maranatha milestones are naturally built-in events in the lives of children that are connected to our church, like baptism and cradle graduation. That's when they get to start Sunday school. And confirmation and high school graduation. We've been recognizing those over the years. And we want to use those natural events that we've already been recognizing then to encourage them and to also be opportunities to talk about faith at home. And along with that, there are others of these milestones here uh, where we're planning times of inviting then parents into the Sunday school classroom once a year um, in some of those classes to then become more aware of what's taught that year to their student. Uh, so that they can talk about those things at home as well. One example of that is in second grade. We have um, for years gifted a Bible to uh, second graders here in our church, and we want to familiarize both parents and students with their Bible and encourage them to then be using it at home. You might notice in the brochure the various topics that are addressed there during those Sunday school years. The gospel, worship, scripture, prayer, what we believe and service all of those are parts of nurturing a living faith which we talk about here in Sunday school but they're developed really at home and so part two of the goal of multiple generations with a living faith is passing it on to your children but we don't want to stop there part three that your grandson might fear the lord and keep his word and how will your grandson or granddaughter learn to live in a relationship with the Lord. For you that are grandparents here today, recognize that along with your grandkids' parents or your kids, you are a vital influence in your grandkids' lives. And don't underestimate the impact that you have as you make use of the opportunities that just naturally come your way with your grandkids. And I truly believe that when I was in college, and I had teachings and lifestyles confronting me that caused me to really question my faith. It was what I observed in my parents and my grandparents, my uncles and aunts and others in my home congregation. They reminded me that they knew something. They knew a personal living faith in the Lord. And that gave me assurance you know, I'm not, this isn't just something I'm, in my imagination that I have a personal relationship with God as well. A fourth part of that goal here in verses 1 through 3, it says that it would be well with you. Now, as you look at those verses, some of the wording there might almost sound like what we sometimes call health and wealth gospel. That your days may be prolonged and that it will be well with you. We all hope for good health, Right? and that you would multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. That kind of sounds like wealth, right? And I want to just say that you recognize there are some specific promises that were given to Abraham, I've referred to them the last couple of weeks here, and then to his descendants. And they're not quite the same for us today, but there are still some general principles that certainly carry over. And so seeking to live by the Ten Commandments will help keep you out of jail, for instance, and help you have a more fruitful life, And possibly a longer life than if you don't seek to follow God and his word. Well, let's get practical here next and consider how, on a daily basis, we might help to pass on this living faith to the next generations. The practice of passing on that faith. And two things come to my mind here. Two things that, spiritually, you want to pass on to your kids. One of them is a testimony of what God has done for you in your life. And and, and you know, that's something that they can't really argue with. um, But they can observe if it's true or not. So a testimony of what God has done for you, and and then what he has said. What God has said, and so giving them knowledge of God and his word. And and the Ten Commandments are foundational to understanding living in a relationship with God and with other people. And all ten of them can be summed up in two, Jesus said, and that's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so how practically then does Moses say to pass on a living faith to the generations to come? Well, he starts with the first commandment. And Pastor Ryan's going to be talking about that more next week here, but here it is, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and might. Living in a daily relationship with God yourself and loving him, above all else. That is to be the target or our goal. And though we will always fall short because of our old nature, but you know, our kids can see if that's the goal in our life or if we're living for other things. And they can see if we're living in daily repentance and faith or not. And passing on the faith then starts with having your own relationship with God and seeking to nourish that each day and so Moses says here, "Have God's word on your heart." How does that happen? Why well, don't I want to just suggest to you that daily intake leads to daily, then talking freely about what we're taking in. And like, for instance, if you happen to be a loyal Vikings fan, and you really love them then you tend to read about them and watch about them every day, check the paper or whatever your source of news is, and it might result in you also then talking about the Vikings to anyone who's interested and even to some who aren't. That's the way it should naturally happen in a relationship with God as well. You want to know more about him, and so you get to know him more personally as you read his letters to you and the scriptures a bit each day, and what you learn there, then you just can't help but pass on to those that are close to you, and you talk about God to your family and to others. And so Moses says, teach and talk of them in everyday life. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your sons. Diligently, that implies intentionality. Not just waiting to see if conversation about spiritual things ever comes up, but purposefully pursuing such conversation in family life. And this, word, this Hebrew word here for teach is the word that's used actually to describe sharpening a, a, a blade of a knife with a whetstone. And so picture this. What does it take to get that blade sharp? Not just one or two swipes on, on that, that sharpening stone, but many, many. And so it is with God's word and talking about God at home. It, it can't be just one day we decide we'll have a talk and, and that takes care than of passing on the faith, and they're done. But no, it's, it's daily conversation, repeated situations and conversations over the years. And, and this is best done when talking about God becomes a normal part of everyday life. And when he's so much on our minds that he comes up naturally in conversation as we interact with each other in our homes. And, and so then we naturally talk about what God has done for us personally and, and what he has said. Now, some examples of those natural daily situations are mentioned here. When you sit in your homes. And when do you sit down together. Hopefully you do some. Um, unfortunately, families, uh, it, it's maybe kind of rare these days. <clears throat> but hopefully you have some meals together each week. And, and saying a, a prayer together even before eating puts the God focus in front of us. It reminds us of what God has done and how he has blessed us and provided for our needs. <clears throat> At our house, uh, with adult children still living nearby, we have a tradition. Um, they're glad to come over and get some of Jean's cooking uh, once or twice a week, maybe more. Um, and the tradition, though, is Sundays after church, uh, having our noon meals together. And that often leads into conversation about the Lord and about spiritual things, and, and any number of other subjects come up as well. But they're sifted then through this perspective of what we already know and believe in our Christian faith and convictions. Maybe there are other times for you that you sit down in your house together, make use of those times to also talk about and teach the things of God. He mentions also when you walk by the way. Well, we don't walk together much these days, uh, as we have other quicker means of transportation. But we do ride in vehicles together, and running our kids to and from school and other activities is pretty common Uh, Hopefully we're going to have some of that this year instead of being stuck at home for school and extracurricular activities all canceled. Maybe it would be good, though, that no matter what happens with that, either way we would see these as opportunities from the Lord. And more time with our kids ought to be a good thing if it then gives us opportunity to talk about and point each other to God in these challenging times, whether we're in our car or in our home or wherever it be. But when else are those natural opportunities to pass on a living faith? He goes on here to mention when you lie down. That's when you go to bed. And you know with little kids, bedtime rituals of a Bible story and prayer each night can add up to a whole lot of knowledge about the Lord and his word that's gained over the years. And in those Bible stories, then take time to point out what God has done and what God has said. And this can naturally then also lead to talking about what God has done for you. And you know, this is uh, where parents uh, sometimes, uh, I know how it is, you can be tired at the end of the day, just, just want to get those kids to bed, and you'll know, try to rush through that. And they got questions on their minds and things they want to talk about relating to what you were just reading. And, and we need to see that as a golden opportunity, uh, teachable moments for both parents and kids. Moses also says, talk of these things when you rise up want you get up in the morning, that's a natural opportunity then to start off by looking to the Lord and remembering he's there for you, whatever you're going through in your daily life. And maybe in your family, there is a pattern of, of devotions at the breakfast table. If that works good for you, great. Maybe for some of you, that doesn't fit into your chaotic schedule. Um, maybe you're better off trying to have your own personal, private few minutes with God each day. And maybe it's even as simple as posting Bible verses on your bathroom when you get up in the morning to look to the Lord. I see two other opportunities Moses mentions here. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so he's saying, bind them to you. And at some point in Jewish history, they developed a practice of of taking literally this statement in verse 8, and they made something called phylacteries little boxes with scripture verses inside them. They actually hung them on their wrists and on their head coverings. And the Pharisees in the New Testament, for instance, were known for parading around with them and thinking of themselves as more spiritual than anybody else because of that. Don't do that. Instead, figure out ways to take God's word with you into your daily life. Maybe carrying a pocket New Testament with you and glancing at it on a noon break at work. Or maybe simply memorizing some verses of Scripture uh, as something that's on your mind as you go through your day. He also talks about posting them in front of you here. And some Jews sought to literally follow this one as well, and they would hang capsule-like containers on their doorposts with these verses in Deuteronomy, actually, inside of them. I don't know anybody that's doing that, but, you know, putting something in front of us where we see it often, is a good thing. And so pictures and posters on the walls of our houses with verses or sayings that point us to the Lord are good things. Screensavers on our computers that remind us of him are a good thing as well, as we are reminded of what we believe and want to live. There's one other further aspect to these verses about passing on living faith, to future generations we need to look at, and that comes up in verses 10 to 15 there. And there's this precaution given there. When you prosper... Watch yourself. Because you see, prosperity can lead to forgetting your need for God. And so remember, if you have been blessed, if you have much, it's due to the Lord's blessing. It's not because you deserve it. There are others that are working equally hard in this world and getting by with way less. And so learn to daily thank the Lord for what you have and don't let your wealth lead you away from him and into that illusion of self-sufficiency, or else he might have to give you less so that you need him again. And one other way to help us remember God's provision is, is to give back freely to him when he has blessed us. Don't forget the needs of, of the church and other Christian ministries that are still out there, even if you're not able to be there. Well, besides prosperity, possibly leading us to forget God so also other people can sometimes have that effect. And so Moses warns about that as well here. He says, don't follow the gods of the people that surround you. And you know, we are living in an increasingly secularized society, and we might not think that people around us are actually worshiping other gods because we don't see them go off to a temple for worship someplace. But where do they go? And what do they do that drives their lives? Their lives are filled with activities that have no time for God. Don't let your life also go there where there's no time left for a relationship with your maker. And then there's one last warning here from Moses. He says this, Remember our God is a jealous God. Verse 15, For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. God is not jealous like we are if someone else is getting attention that we were hoping to get ourselves. God is jealous in this way, and he wants all of us to deal with reality. And there really are no other gods, only false gods, only idols, which can't do a thing for us. And so God does not want us trusting in something that can't even help us. And he doesn't want us believing in things that are our lie. He doesn't want us walking away from him only to spend eternity separated from him. And so out of desire that people would know and follow the true God, he offers them a personal relationship with him here and now, and eternity with him in heaven. And he at times, in righteous anger then, will even send judgment on those who refuse to recognize him and refuse to recognize reality. And so a sobering thing to remember in this business of passing on the faith is this. If you walk away from the Lord, if you turn your back on him, how will that impact your children and your grandchildren? Will the faith be passed on to future generations? Could others even go lost for eternity because of your neglect? And our country was founded on principles from God's word and and, and many of our laws were shaped by the Ten Commandments. But we as a nation have strayed far from our foundation and has not been passed on well to the next generations. And how we need to pray then for revival in this land. This next Saturday, um, the 26th, Franklin Graham is leading a march on Washington, D.C. to pray for our nation. And most of us can't be there, but let's join him in prayer as our nation heads into some very challenging months here and elections just around the corner. And if you're one that knows a personal relationship with the Lord, then by God's grace, let's day by day be about passing on the faith. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have given us this opportunity to know a personal relationship with you here and now in this life and and to be confident that we're ready to face our maker when we breathe our last breath. Because we know that also you invite us to spend eternity with you in heaven. And and Lord, I, I pray for each one here today that they would know a personal walk with you. And Lord, if there be somebody who doesn't, that, that even today you would help them to see their sinfulness and their need for forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And they would humble their hearts before you and ask for, for your help, your forgiveness, and, and a change of heart and life. And Lord, for each of us, no matter what our age then, help us to be concerned that we would pass on the faith to others. I, I pray for parents, Lord. In, in these challenging days, uh, help us to know how to live out the faith at home, uh, help us parents to be living in daily repentance and faith ourselves and, and talking about you, about what you've done for us as we look back on our lives and pointing to you and your word. And Lord, I pray for grandparents as well, that, that you would help them, that they would not feel shelved and, and worthless, Lord, but they would recognize that they're still on this earth for a purpose. And part of it is that they would influence uh, generations to come as well. That they'd continue to be an encouragement to their children to look to you, whether they are currently or not. And also, Lord, that their grandchildren would know that they have a living faith. And Lord, we just ask that you would use us to be instruments of your, your peace and your love, your forgiveness in Jesus Christ. That those around us would have it spread to them, that we would pass on a living faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.